Welcome to Clarity Connects, where we talk about the human essence in brands, from branding, marketing, and business. I am your host, Tusef Mirza. Fundamentally, brands are created by human beings and for human beings. So understanding human attributes and having clarity on what genuinely connects with people is crucial. On this podcast, we will cover topics ranging from personal branding, corporate branding, leadership, team building, and marketing, all from a human perspective. We will also give ourselves the space for contemplation and explore ways to gain profitability while doing good simultaneously. Thank you for joining me. And now let's explore how Clarity connects for creating true impact. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Clarity Connects podcast. Today, we are talking about user experience design and inclusivity in the digital space with my special guest, Regine Gilbert. Regine is an adjunct professor at NYU teaching user experience. She is an author of the best-selling book, Inclusive Design for a Digital World, which has been rated by Book Authority as the number one book in 2020 that UX designers should read. And she is a renowned speaker on the importance of accessibility in the digital space. Welcome to the show, Regine. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to have um, Regine um, because we actually know each other. We're actually really close friends and yeah. we know each other like for the past, what, six years? Six years. And what's really interesting is we actually met in a user experience course at General Assembly. And it's funny how life happens. And, you know, six years later, I have a podcast and you have a book on user experience and inclusivity. And here we are. Here we are. Here we are. So dreams do happen. You just have to put one step in front of the other. So it's just so awesome to have Regine to have this conversation with. Um, the reason why I wanted to have a um, an episode on user experience and inclusivity is because I find that a lot of times in branding and marketing, we have a tendency not to include um, as readily uh, the user experience practice. We almost put it sort of like something that needs to happen afterwards. But I really feel that uh, user experience is so important because that's how your audience is basically going to engage and experience and absorb your product and service. So before we get into the inclusivity part of user experience, uh, Regine, I wanted to ask you, what is your definition of user experience? How would you define that? I define user experience as someone feeling good about something they use, whether it be a product or service, or not feeling good about it. Mm -hmm. There isn't really an in-between, like, I kind of like it. Well, then you probably don't like it. I feel very strongly about that. I mean, you can ask five different people. They'll tell you five different things. I say this all the time. Definitions are defined by the person. Mm. And so when somebody is experiencing something bad, you can't say, well, you're not experiencing that. Mm. They are. Um, so it's it's taking into consideration what you are building and who you're building it for and making sure that the person on the other end who has feelings is going to have some a good experience or not good. Now, you can't predict the future. Hopefully what you're building and the intent behind it is good. 
but hopefully, you know, you, you'll make something that will make someone feel good at the end of the day. So I love that definition because it's really rooted in under recognizing that we are all emotional beings. And I think sometimes when we talk about user experience, people focus on the aspect of usable, which it needs to be. But this whole understanding of the human aspect, and, and it's really about feeling good, and, and that being sort of the criteria of whether it's a good user experience or not, is a great way to look at it. How do we know when it's it's good UX usually. Like you talked about feeling good, but is there other parameters that we feel that happens when you have good user experience on a digital interface? Uh, good UX is something you don't actually notice. It's something that is without barriers. Mm. So when you can smoothly go through a process, like I like Amazon's app, right? I can go on, I can select what I want, I put it in my cart, I check out, I have it sent to an Amazon locker, I'm done. Really pretty simple, right? I don't think about it. They're not having me stop somewhere in the process. And it's pretty seamless. So when you don't have any barriers, that's good UX. Good UX is not something you'll notice. Mm. You notice when it's bad. Mm. So it's that's really interesting because we, we do definitely notice when things are not going well. Right. And then we get annoyed. Exactly. And then we're that's trying a to feeling. Yeah, that's a feeling. <laughs> so there's a fluidity. There's, there's like a natural fluidity through the process. Um, one book that we actually looked into when we were in class that always stayed with me is the Stephen Krug book on Don't Make Me Think. Right. And that, I don't remember fully the book. I remember the title of Don't Make Me Think, and that's something for me has been the cornerstone of user experience whenever I look at something and I say it's actually making me think. So it's not working. So I have to figure out a way that that everything is flowing in an effortless way. So let's just switch over a little bit in terms of the inclusivity of user design. How long has that practice been around? Is it fairly recent or it's been around for a while, but now it's it's gotten more attention? I think uh, first defining inclusivity um, would be necessary here just because it's a word that people are using all over the place now. And That's what true. does it mean? What does it mean from a global perspective? What does it mean from a local perspective? What does it mean for people? I mean, it's going to mean something different. Um, when I think of inclusivity, I think of including everybody and making sure that they can use a product or service. This is what I think about. And that you're not only thinking about them, but you're bringing them to the conversation. You're bringing them to have a seat at the table. Um, this means people from different regions. This means people with disabilities. This means people with different socioeconomic backgrounds. So I'll just state mm. that first. I, it's been around. However, I think because we are more connected than ever, I, we're seeing a lot of different, especially different cultures, communicating with each other. We're, we're thinking about it more mm. than we did in the past. And it's now, I mean, you look, you, you Google inclusive, like for the news, uh, you'll you'll have a bunch of things pop up for today. So, Right, like culture. Yeah, and, all yes, of that. All of that stuff, yeah. Um, is there a difference when we talk about the word inclusivity versus accessibility, or are they interchangeable? 
There is a difference. Um, accessibility in terms of the digital world uh, tends to focus on people with disabilities and making sure things are accessible for people with disabilities. Yeah. That is a part of inclusivity. So that's a part of it. It's it's not, they're not the same definition, but mm -hmm. it's a part of it. Mm -hmm. It's just a part of, accessibility tends not to be thought of mm -hmm. um, much at all when people are making something. Mm. And how did you get interested in inclusivity? It may sound silly, but I woke up one day and said, <laughs> I want to make the world a more accessible place. Mm. And it was um, back in 2015 that I was working on building up my portfolio for UX. I was doing freelance work. And I said, OK, I want to make the world a more accessible place. What does that mean? Let me Google it. Mm. Right. So I go to Google and I find a meetup in uh, New York City called the A11Y mm. Meetup. Um, A11Y stands for, it's a numeronym for accessibility. So there's 11 characters between the A and the Y. Mm. So I said, I don't know what this is about. So I, I went and it was all about making, um, you know, product services for people with disabilities. So I ended up going to these meetings. I made friends through them and that kind of launched me into learning more about it and why aren't we doing more of it in UX. By the way, we all love meetups. Me and Regine have been huge advocates. Huge. Of huge. I actually run a meetup, the New York Branding Meetup. But we've been running around in meetups for the past six years yeah. and just meeting people and just learning more. And it's, it's just a great way to um, expand your horizon. But when you went to these meetups, is it because you were meeting people that had disabilities or uh, like what really like motivated you to literally go into that area? Yeah, I think I, I have this in the book where the, the first meeting I went to for the A11Y, the accessibility meetup, I met a woman uh, who's now, we're friends still to this day. Uh, she, I, I was telling her what I did for a living. I'm a UX designer. I make things more usable. I'm doing my whole spiel about what UX is. And she is blind. Um, and she, she listened to me explain what I do for a living. And then she stopped me and said, do people like you ever think about people like me? Mm. And I sat for a moment in silence because as I thought back to really learning about UX, um, my freelance work, I think in our UX class we had one slide on accessibility. This mm -hmm. is what I remember. And thinking about the jobs that I had had up to that point, and I said, no. That was the honest answer. At that point in time, I had not really encountered much um, information in regards to accessibility and building digital products. And it might have been the people I was around. But I told her, uh, I said, we don't, you know, I, I, I haven't, no is the answer, but I will make sure anything I do in the future mm. will include accessibility, for sure. So when we talk about um, disabilities, I was pretty surprised when I read that in your book, that there's almost 60 million people in the U.S., that have disabilities, and that's about one in five people. Um, when we talk about disabilities, what are the main areas that 
we're considering here? Could you name like the top three or five? Well, um, when you're thinking about accessibility and disability, they're generally for for areas to cover. So there's visual people with uh, color blindness, uh, low vision, uh, blind. There's um, hearing. So people may be deaf, hard of hearing. Some people may have some um, other issues. There are motor. Um, so people who may not be able to, you know, hold a mouse mm. uh, and cognitive issues. So things um, that will impact people cognitively when they're using a product or service. So when you are looking at accessibility, um, do you prioritize certain areas more depending on, for example, where mostly the disabilities lie in terms of percentage and or what is the easiest way to address the most disabilities? Yeah, trying to cover all of them does get a little challenging, but when you think about the different people that may use your product or service or website, whatever it is, how are they getting there? What are they doing to to use your site. Are they using a keyboard only, for example, for your website? If they are, are you making them mouse for, for, for certain things? So it's making sure that you provide the accommodations for a wide array of users. Mm. So you're not just saying, okay, you have to use a mouse on this particular website. Mm. It's making sure um, that you, one, take into consideration from the start who could be using it and then the different ways they may use it and making sure you build it in those ways. Mm. Because you want as many people using your stuff as possible, Right, I would think. Right. Making a user experience more inclusive is obviously good for everybody to access your products. And it's also lucrative because these... Billions. Be billions. It's almost near a trillion. Yeah, like in terms of, of dollars. So um, it's literally to the benefit of these companies to make their digital interfaces more usable yeah. because then you have more people that can access them and get to know about the products and make that connection. That's what marketing and having a business is all about in the first place. I think people are starting to recognize that more now. Mm -hmm. And I like to throw this statistic out in class where I say, you know, we're in 2020. Mm -hmm. In 15 years, 2035, in the United States, According to the U.S. Census, we will have more people over the age of 65 wow. than people under the age of 65. So if we're not making products for our older selves now, mm -hmm. what are we doing? And that would make things just in general more accessible and inclusive. There's this one exercise that you do uh, from Don Norman. Can you explain that one? Okay, so I actually just did this the other night in my class where I, I have my students think of designing for their future selves. And I based this off of a Don Norman article that he wrote last year. Don Norman is now 83 years old. He wrote the book Design of Everyday Things, which is a really great book on design. Um, he coined. He coined the term right. UX. So this is the book. This is the book. Mm -hmm. And in this article he wrote last year, he said, I wrote the book on design, and I did a disservice to the elderly. And I didn't think about designing for my elderly self. Mm. And he went on in the article to explain some of the things that he does, like using, you know, pliers and things to open <laughs> jar, you know, all these different things that he does. And so in my, in my class, I have students, um, I also reference uh, 
a pop-up exhibition that was done at the Design Museum in London where they they surveyed a thousand people and asked them how old is old mm. and they said uh, the people from the survey said 73 mm. so I was going to say 74 oh really yes <laughs> <laughs> so i had my students think about themselves as a 73 year old mm. what are your what's your profession are you retired are you still working? A lot of people have student loans. Are they still working because they're paying those off? What are your interests? What are your um, What does your home look like? What do you like? What do you dislike? Do you like the same things that you like now? And for people to think about, you know, that a lot of these folks are in their 20s, to fast forward. They said, I never thought about that. I never thought about myself being that old. But you do think about yourself turning 30 mm-hmm. when you're 20-something. Mm-hmm. But you don't think about your 30-year-old self turning 70. And why aren't we? And then what does that life look like? Right. Right? Because people go, well, I don't want to think. You know, one student was like, I don't want to think about getting, going deaf or not being able to see. Or That doesn't mean your life is over. Mm-hmm. It just means it changes. So how, you know, our students, because you also teach, are are creating the future. We, right. frankly, all are creating the future. So why aren't we making a better future for ourselves today? I think that exercise is so powerful because it forces it forces me. I mean, I'm 48, and, you know, when I think about when I'm going to be 74, I mean, I look at my parents, then you start to realize where, where this is going. That word empathy we use all the time, right? right? And we say, okay, so how does this other person feel and put yourself in those shoes? But when you're putting your own self in your own shoes, looking 30 years or 50 years down the road, there's something else that happens in my heart where it just becomes more tender and more gentle. And it, it just, you realize that you're going to get there too. And you really want to be involved at that level so much more because it implicates you. Right. Um, one of the questions I like to ask in my classes is, who do you think about the most? I'll ask your audience, who do you think about the most? And a long list is going to start to go through your head of my parents, my kids. But the truth is, we think about ourselves the most. Right. Right. And this is part of the challenge with UX is that people think about themselves the most. It's part of the challenge with empathy when people can't feel something for someone else because they only know what their feelings are like. Mm -hmm. When they've not really taken the time to create a level of self-awareness within themselves to even understand someone else. Right. And so that empathy thing is like such a sensitive topic. Some people say it's BS. Some people say it's great. You know, but it takes people kind of knowing who they are in order to be empathetic. And, and so many people just don't. And so you can't ask that of them if they, they don't know themselves, right? We, so, they, it, it really takes, because then you're not connected to the thing. And that's why I like to do this particular activity designing for your future self. Mm-hmm. Because you do think about yourself the most. And thinking about yourself in the future really pushes people's boundaries of the way that they've seen themselves up to this point, wherever they are in life. So in a way, it's really 
a an effective way to start thinking about empathy is to start with yourself. Like that's a very good place to start. But in the future, like you, but in a different state of you. So yeah. you, so it it's you, but it's different. So you're starting to really understand what empathy means, being in a different person's shoes, but it's your shoes, but in a different time. Yeah. And then you can expand upon that to other people, and you can. It's like almost like flexing a little more the empathetic muscle that starts with you and then expands on. Well, the you that you are has been in so many different bodies already up to this point in your life. Mm -hmm. From when you were a child to a teenager and the awkwardness and not really feeling yourself to when you maybe started feeling yourself in your 20s or maybe you're still not. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're still figuring it out. But you now is not you Five years ago, it's not you. Ten years, the, your body is totally different. Right. The way that you think is totally different, right? And so just being really mindful of that is super helpful, I think, especially when it comes to user experience design. I see some of the best designers I know really know themselves. Because when you know yourself, then you're able to see the outside world, mm. right? And understand it and really empathize with it. Mm. But when you don't understand yourself and you're super critical and you're super critical without questioning why you are being critical, and this gets into bias, which is a whole other subject, but really understanding what our biases are because we all have them, mm. right? And when you're approaching a project, really understanding what your biases are and kind of saying, okay, I know that I have these biases. However, these are the, the experiences I need to create for this particular product or service. It's almost like you have to become self-aware of who you are and also be self-aware about your biases. Correct. Right? So how can one, um, I mean, self-awareness is, is, is a big topic, but how can one be a little bit more in tune with their biases? Well, I, I, again, I refer to what I tell my students and what I tell myself, too, is that you need to be woke. And when I say woke, I don't mean it in the sense of what's being talked about today. I mean, you need to watch, observe, question, and explore. Watching means you need to be awake in the first place. We live in New York City. I walk around. I've, I've kind of made this new rule where I'm not pulling out my phone in public if I can help it, unless I'm actually on a subway and sitting for a while. But I like to watch people and see what they're doing. And most people are walking around literally on their phones, not looking up at all. Mm. I said, if I walked around with a sign that said, I'll give you $100, Nobody take it. <laughs> you know? That's true. You're just so, walking around with the Basically, <laughs> just walking around. And so I, I, maybe I will experiment with like $10 and see. So first you need to be watch, meaning you need to be awake. Then observe, right? Observe yourself. Observe your surroundings. Question. Question things inside of yourself. Question why, if somebody made you angry, did they make you angry? I like to go back to the five whys that we learned in, in a UX class. Why, asking why of yourself five times is one way to get at the root cause of something. Mm -hmm. um, so question yourself, question things around you. I think people are not curious enough and take things at face value and never really investigate, it, especially with stuff with the news. It's just like, oh, they said this. How do you know that's true? Mm -hmm. If I see poll results, for example, I tend not to believe them because I don't know what questions were asked. Mm. And then explore. 
uh, go somewhere you haven't been. Take a different route. Take a different route every day if you can, right? Go travel. Not everybody can do that. I realize that. But if you can explore in other ways, read, you know, get to go somewhere different. Go to have a dinner at a restaurant that you would you're normally scared to go to, Mm -hmm. you know, go and explore the world because there's so much to experience. So watch, observe, question and explore. That's how I think you can kind of get to know yourself a little bit better. And also, what a beautiful way to do that, right? It's it's almost like experiencing fully being alive. Yeah. yeah of really being present. Right. And, and walking through life with curiosity and wanting to learn and wanting to, to grow and, and understand. Um, in terms of, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, when we talk about user experience and inclusivity, who do you think is responsible for making those decisions? Is it the UX person? Is it the web designer? Is it the art director? Because there's so many people that are involved when we create a digital asset. Um, where is there a line or how, how do you... How I'm going to give that? you a classic answer okay. on design that it, it depends it depends. It depends. It depends on the company. It depends on the structure. Hopefully, it'll be a collaboration between departments so that people are informed and making informed decisions, and that shows in the designs. So, for example, for the listeners, it basically means that even if you're like in an agency, an account person or a manager, or if you are an art director, um, you can bring it up. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. it it doesn't. It's not designated to. Oh, you know, this is not part of my role, so I won't bring it up. But we can talk about, you know, how can we make this more accessible? Have we thought about this? Yeah, I'm a big big fan of planting seeds because a lot of times to go and, oh, we're gonna make things accessible. Well, what does that mean? What is the process like? How is that changing people's workloads? All of that stuff needs to be thought about. In a very concrete way, if there's a company that wants to address this, wants to be more accessible, but, you know, they might say, well, we don't have the time and we don't have the resources. How can they start? Like, where can can they begin that's maybe like, you know, baby steps and to go towards that direction? I would say assessing where they currently are um, and seeing if they look at the different areas of of disability. So looking at uh, visual, audio, cognitive, and motor, and really paying attention to see, okay, where are we currently, right? If we have somebody with disabilities who's coming and using our product or service, and they they have a disability, can they use it? Mm -hmm. Can they use it now? And if they cannot, then how can we make it better? So, for example, if, if there are, like, three things, because I'm trying to just um, have people recognize that there's certain things that doesn't require a whole redo or something. I mean, I'll refer to, from a, from a digital perspective, um, there's this one wonderful organization out of Utah State called WebAIM. And they did a survey of, not a survey, but they looked at a million websites to see if they were accessible, meaning that they 
address the web content accessibility guidelines put forth through the W3C. And with this million that we'll, they looked at. We'll put all of these in uh, the, notes uh, okay. in the show notes. So yes, if people um, With this one million websites that they used their, their tool to scan, they found that the number one issue was color contrast, mm. right? And so looking at the colors that you're using, both in digital and print, um, to see if they are good for people who may have color blindness uh, or different issues and making sure that the, the contrast um, is, is re meeting the requirement. So mm -hmm. that's one area. You wanted three things? I would say first, first and foremost, assess where you are currently. From that assessment, I would say number two is see what you could fix right mm -hmm. away. And the third is possibly bringing in people and seeing how they can help you. Mm -hmm. Like even I've been a copywriter for like, you know, for a long time, for about six to 10 years. And, and one of the things that I would talk with the art director all the time is the font is too small. You know, like just stuff like that. I think that people sometimes focus on, yeah, but it doesn't look as pretty. Or, you know, like they focus on the aesthetics of things. Right. And I think that not that you need to push away all the artistic endeavor that you're trying to that you're trying to create but it's almost to find a happy medium where creative and aesthetically it makes sense and also that it's accessible to people and and that's sort of a little bit of a mindset change and and that's what I realized also when I was reading your book is that really talking about inclusivity and um, accessibility, it's really starting to change the way we think and how we approach things right. uh, from a very core perspective. Yeah, if we go back to the experience itself, a, a simple question to ask is, is this experience accessible? Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then fix it. Mm -hmm. So th this leads in nicely to, to the next point, which is... Um, the notion of universal design. And I think we all have experienced universal design without realizing what universal design is. Can you explain what it is? So universal design means that you can, I mean, it'll, again, this is me de defining it and not what the definition is for, for other people. But it is when something can be used universally across the board. But when you think about the universality of, of things that are just easy, mm -hmm. um, that's what universal design and is. And that everybody it's, can have Everybody advantage. can have, everybody, so a good example of something that's a universal design that a lot of people use, I incorporate it in the book, a lot of people who, anybody, almost anybody who's speaking about accessibility will talk about it, are curb cuts, right? So if you go to any corner, wherever you are, you'll see that there's a little dip in the curve. What is that from? At the corner. At the corner, Yeah. right? And those initially were made for people with disabilities, and yet they benefit everybody. From carrying a suitcase, right? Rolling luggage to... Strollers. Strollers, right? Uh, in New York City, people have their grocery carts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, so many, so many good, helpful things. This is a, a, something that is universal that is helpful mm -hmm. for... For almost everyone. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, do you, so, you know, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the show. 
um, that inclusivity is kind of a hot term. And people are using it um, for culture, for employment. Do you think that the notion, because we talked about as well about mindset, do you think that the notion of inclusivity needs to actually stem from the company itself as a, as a notion of being inclusive of everybody in order for it to sort of apply as well in the user experience and, you know, whatever marketing outputs that they have? Or do you think that can these things can live separately? I think the intent behind why you want to be inclusive needs to be really considered, right? And so why why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? And I think that's a question that only people can answer answer internally mm-hmm. to where they are and and what they want to build and what they actually want people to experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think. Like since the past a few years, especially, there's definitely an awakening from that perspective that people want to do good, that people want to um, be respectful and include people from different backgrounds and different ethnicities and different ages and different experiences. Is there a a brand that you feel is doing really well in terms of user experience and accessibility in the digital space? I, I like the, the work Microsoft is doing around accessibility. They've um, done a lot to incorporate an ex- inclusive um, perspective. They also they have a really cool, um, for the Xbox, they, they've created an adaptive controller. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's not a controller you actually need to hold in your hands. It's one that lays flat. And um, people who are players of games can use that. So I, I like uh, a lot of the work that they're doing. Okay. Yeah. Is there uh, anything that you would want our listeners to take away? Get woke. Get woke. Yeah, you need to watch, observe, question, and explore. Not only the outside world, but especially your inside world. Mm. And start to question some of the things that you believe, why you believe them, and not to counter them, but just to understand. Because I think a lot, again, this comes back to the self-awareness issue. And I think when you are aware of yourself, you are so much more capable of creating and making things for others. Mm. It really does all start with us. So mm-hmm. that's the one thing that I would really like to for people to look at themselves. You know, one thing also that I that I realized by just learning more deeply about inclusivity is it's really a notion of saying I care. I care for you. You yeah. know, you 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 know, even if I don't know you, even if I'm not exactly like you, I care for you. And I think that's such a beautiful way to live in yeah. general, to, to, to just recognize all of us as being special human beings. And doing stuff even if people don't know you've done it. Today I got off the subway. Mm. So I recently uh, had an injury to my knee. And so I'm super mindful of our terrible sidewalks here in New York <laughs> City because <laughs> I walked with a cane for a while. And um, I got off the subway, and there's a lot of people, and there was this glass bottle mm. that was right when people get on the train. And I was like, I'm going to pick it up because somebody could really hurt themselves on that. Mm. Right? 
And it's doing little things to like just like improve some. You don't know if you'll how you impacted someone, but be good. You know, be there's a um, there's a a great graphic designer out of the UK, Andrew. I think it's Andrew Burrell, and he he made this famous poster that says um, "Work hard and be nice." Mm. I think that's it. Work hard and be nice. I love it. Work hard and be nice. Sometimes we use these terms like accessibility and inclusivity, and then I feel sometimes we put them in a specific box. But, you know, like the example you just said, it's really a mindset, right? It's not like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do UX uh, from an inclusive standpoint, and then I'm going to go out in the world and just be in my zone and not care about anything around. Right. So it, it's, it literally permeates um, this, this, this mindset. I want to thank you so much for for coming in and really having an honest conversation and a and a very genuine conversation about user experience and and really just at the end of the day I think we all we will all be just more happier because we are involved in caring for others and caring for ourselves. At the end of every episode I ask all my guests if there's a clarity moment that they can share with us. And that can be anything from a professional standpoint. It could be something about what we talked about, or it can be personally. So, Regine, can you share a clarity moment? Um, I would say a clarity moment. I, I got to see Oprah a few weeks ago. Yeah, that, uh, she brings her, a lot of clarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, during her Vision 2020 tour, and, you know, one of the things she asked us there were like 14,000 people at the Barclays. And I was there with one of my very good friends. And one of the questions asked was, what, what is your word for the year? And I had to think about it. And I was like, my word is fly. Not in the t- sense that I'm going to fly, but I'm going to first love myself. First love yourself. F-L-Y. F-L-Y. Fly. Mm-hmm. And for me, that means really taking care of myself because I feel... You know, when you take care, my brother um, famously says all the time, when you take care of yourself, everything falls into place. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was a real clear moment on, yeah, I need to first love myself. First, I I need to fly. First Mm -hmm. love yourself. And then things will fall into place. Thank you so much for that. I'm such a huge proponent as well of, of loving yourself and it takes sometimes, even some time to even understand what that means and to explore and to be gentle with yourself when you're going through through that journey. And and I love that if it's if it it's it's F L Y. So it's first love yourself and then you fly, or you're flying and then you yeah. fly higher. You know? Exactly. <laughs> that's why I love it. I was like, that's my word for the year. Watch me. And then one of the things she's like, uh, I can, I will, watch me. Mm. That's what we had to, like, we you go, know, girlfriend. right? I can, I will, watch me. So you watch me fly. Oh, yes. We will watch you, girl. Okay. Um, so how can people learn more about you? Uh, you can go to my website, regenegilbert.com. I also am pretty active on Twitter. So it's R-E-G underscore I-N-E-E, because my proper name is Regine. I just don't go by that but that mm-hmm. often. Um, and those are probably the best ways to, to 
check me out. Okay, and they can get your book pretty much. So you can pick up my book, uh, Inclusive Design for a Digital World, uh, Designing with Accessibility in Mind, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. Okay, you name it. It's A Press is my publisher, so you can pick it up. Okay, there. Awesome. So we will have all that information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Regine, having you. It was an absolute blast. And uh, I will speak to all of you at a later episode. À bientôt. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Merci. Merci beaucoup, madame. Merci beaucoup.